thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, leading publishers of books, directories, educational guides and magazines aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. Enjoy the podcast. Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jay Ritter. Morning, everyone. Um, It's lovely to be back. I feel slightly rusty. Um, Happy New Year to all of you. And um, I've got a really, really interesting guest this morning who I am really, really looking forward to talking with, Roy Boardman. Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jay Ritter on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. As I was saying, um, Roy has many, many years of experience. Um, and has been a pillar for for many, many people in Naples where I live. Um, He will be joining us very, very soon. (laughs) Um, At the moment, um, let me just tell you a little bit about him. Um, I won't actually tell you how old he is because um, that would be quite rude, but basically he has had an extremely long journey in teaching, teacher training, materials writing, ELT management, starting from um, 1959. Um, He began his teaching career in a UK secondary school and then moved to the British Council in Naples where he became English language officer for Southern Italy um, and then regional director for Southern Italy. He also founded language schools in Naples and has taught at Italian universities, lectured in Paris, Athens, Chicago, Nottingham, and London. (laughs) Um, He also played a really, really significant role in ELT. And um, he founded the the CELTA course, which um, at the time I think was the RSA CERT TEFL um, here in Naples, which is where I actually Um, studied and became a teacher, an ELT teacher. Um, Morning Susan, hello, (laughs) welcome, welcome. Um, And and morning morning, Tom, nice to see you. Um, He has also um, written um, with Cambridge University Press. He published course books in 1979 and they were sort of the, the pioneering course books which put in practice the principles of communicative language teaching. Um, he also has received several awards, but I'm sure that when he tells us about his journey, um, we can, um, you will discover more about that. In the meantime, I asked a few people in town uh, about Roy, and a couple of them sent really, really sense uh really really kind uh messages and one of them i'm actually going to read to you because she didn't want to record herself um but this was 
one of the messages that I received for Roy, and I hope that when he listens back, he will enjoy it. Um, it's from Claire Jenkins. And Claire said, Roy is an inspiring and brilliant teacher and a wonderful friend who gives great book recommendations. When I think of the ideal teacher, I think of Roy, always full of incredible ideas, always organizing innovative projects. Working with Roy has been a pleasure and an honor. As I say to anyone when Roy's name is mentioned, Roy is the best. Well, wouldn't everyone want to have that kind of message dedicated to them? Let me, um, let me just uh, play you a, a little message. Um, and it's from um, one of Roy's colleagues, uh, the lovely Laurie Cohen. Let's just have a little listen to this. Having work, worked with Roy on several occasions, I can say that he is the epitome of English teaching, good English teaching. Not only is he a fine teacher, an excellent employer, but he is a person full of ideas, always looking to try something new and innovative. It was a pleasure to work with him. Apart from that, he's an absolutely lovely human being. Okay. And good morning, Roy. Lovely to have you here with me. Um, good morning, Jane. As I, as I said in, um, in my prelude, I have a little message for you. And it may be that you didn't actually get a chance to listen to it, but I thought it's a lovely introduction to you to then tell us a little bit more about your um, about your your teaching journey. Um, yeah. It's a message from Claire Jenkins. Oh, Claire, yes. And she says, for a long time. she says, Roy is an inspiring and brilliant teacher and a wonderful wow. friend who gives great book recommendations. When I think of the ideal teacher, I think of Roy, always full of incredible ideas, always organizing innovative projects. Working with Roy has always been a pleasure and an honor. As I say to anyone, when Roy is mentioned, Roy is the best. <laughs> Wow. Well, I mean, let, let's stop the program there. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I think. <laughs> thank that... you. Thank you, Claire. I'm still listening. <laughs> Wonderful. Good heavens. Yeah. Uh, I didn't... Um, uh, Claire, I've enjoyed every moment of my career and I've enjoyed every moment of working with you. And uh, you, you're a wonderful friend and colleague. Right. Tell us about this journey because I think you'll, you'll discover. Um, I've got a few few more messages for you. Um, tell oh. us, oh, tell our listeners about your teaching journey. Right. Well, um, when I think about that, I mean, my teaching journey began before I started teaching, um, and I think this is important because, well, in my case, it's important because um, the way in which um, I was as a child and young learner, when I wish I was, I was taught and the way in which I tried to learn has enormously influenced um, what I did afterwards and what I decided to do afterwards. Um, I, I, in fact, left school when I was uh, 16 and 
and um, before that, because during the war, you see, because I was born in 1937, and um, then evacuated uh, into the countryside. And um, when um, then I was five years old and it was time to go to school, I mean, there weren't really any schools. I mean, mm. people, as the teachers were thrown into classrooms, etc. Every morning began with, um, every morning I remember began with, uh, with an arithmetic test uh, from one to 10. And it says, number one, two plus three, and you had to write it on the uh, slip of paper. No? Uh, well, uh, number one, two plus three. Of course, I added the number of the question to the answer. <laughs> and when I got to number 10 every day, of course, it became really much of a problem. And that influenced my learning of, of, of math and probably my... my um... The point is, they didn't teach me to read. Mm. And um, I can't remember ever having a, a book in my hand when I was at school during the evacuation period during the, during the war. Then when I returned to London at primary school, then okay, um, I had great difficulty in reading. And this influenced tremendously my attitude to teaching young people mm. to read and appreciate what they read. Um, my teaching actually began after teacher training college because um, I went to teacher training college, Borough Road College, uh, which was part of the University of London. Um, even if I left school at 16, they for some reason accepted me. They were short of teachers at the time, uh, so they had to train <laughs> more and more of them. Mm. And um, well, um, Okay, so I went through the two-year training and um, started teaching at um, a secondary school in Essex in 1959, immediately after teacher training. What I did then as a teacher of English kids from the age of 11 up to 18, um, was immensely influenced by the kind of secondary school that I went to in London, which was a secondary mod, um, but um, an experimental comprehensive. Mm. And I had a wonderful English teacher um, who had an immense influence on me. And um, so by the time I was 14, I could read and I could act. I was into acting. I did all sorts of drama. Um, I got thrown out of the maths class, of course, um, <laughs> and had to study biology instead. Um, but that experience of um, this English teacher who, whose teaching was very, what we would call now, learner-centered, mm. at the time that expression didn't exist, um, influenced me enormously. So when I walked into classrooms in 1959 in Sandham Secondary School, um, my first objective was to find all about the kids I was teaching. Mm -hmm. So I took them through, right through from 11 to the age of 17, because when they were 17 then, I decided to come to Italy. That was in 1965. <laughs> I did an enormous amount of work with drama as a kid. I believed in... Um, 
them finding themselves through pretending to be others, mm. as it were, through drama and acting together and collaborating. Um, so we did productions of uh, Shakespeare plays, of course, etc., etc., and all and other things. And um, I also got them into creative writing. Um, and they wrote some fantastic stuff. Um, at one point, I remember this is the high point of my career in the secondary school. Now, the school was visited by Vanessa Redgrave. She came wow. to Bryce. She just started her career. She, she, she'd been playing in As You Like It at the Old Vic. And she came to give out the prizes. And she saw some of my children's creative writing. Um, of course, I called at her <laughs> at some point. <laughs> and what happened was that um, she put on a show in London mm. um, with herself and Tom Courtney and other actors actually reading these pieces of creative writing. Oh, wow. And, of course, this, this was a tremendous thrill uh, for my kids, uh, for my students. And I've never forgotten it. They've never forgotten it, I think, because... Um, can't, that kind of happened it was just before COVID, just mm -hmm. before the pandemic. Um, two of my students of that time came to visit me in Naples. This was tremendous pleasure. Yeah. And some of them have been continued writing poetry, etc. Some of them published poetry, etc. And they put me in contact with other members of the class. Mm. But they were in their seventies when they came. <laughs> when <laughs> when they came to see you, that's the yeah. that's um, the amazing thing. So I had I, I I inherited this sort of objected to have a very close relationship with with students um, from my English teacher first, and then mm. sort of modified it in various ways. Um, then in 1965, uh, um, I came to Naples and joined mm. the British Council, started teaching here. Um, and uh, of course, big problem. I was teaching English in England, mother tongue. The teaching of grammar was clause analysis. Um, totally different kind of teaching. In 1965, when I came to Naples, there wasn't very much in ELT that you could read uh, about, but uh, there wasn't much guidance stuff. Um, I, can't, I can't remember the title, it was just the, the two books which, which we were using there. The only book I remember that was available to, which gave some kind of guidance in ELT was um, Michael West's teaching in difficult circumstances, but that was all about teaching in Africa. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so it wasn't very much, so you really had to sort of invent it for yourself at that time. Um, and um, so I had to rethink grammar, the teaching of grammar. Mm -hmm. I very much repeated what I've been doing in secondary school classrooms. At first, I didn't it seemed to work, you know, because I got them talking, elicitations, <laughs> and, uh, and um, okay, and of course, that's very important, right? English language teaching, getting, getting them to talk all the time. Yeah. Um, and, um, but then, you know, the other 
grammar of the English language that I knew was clause analysis, which wasn't very much help in teaching, for example, comparative structures and all that sort of thing. Mm. You don't have to think about when you're teaching in secondary schools in England. No. no. Um, so I sort of tried to invent grammar uh, for myself because what I started telling myself was the grammar of English, or rather English grammar, is not really the grammar of English because when the first grammar of English was um, written and published um, in, the, in the 16th century, I think it was, huh? mm -hmm. I mean, it was basically the grammar of Latin. Um, it was, you know, and, and it hasn't changed very much, you know, <laughs> um, um, because we're still talking about subjects and predicates, etc., etc. Mm. So I started looking at the language itself. One of the first things I started doing was looking at the language itself and sort of inventing um, ways of uh, analyzing language and getting young, uh, getting my students to analyze the language in a completely different way. Don't want to go into that very much because it became an obsession and it's been an obsession all my life. <laughs> I got my own kind of grammar, okay? um, which nobody else would accept, I'm sure. Um, so I started with the British Council in Naples, 1965, and then um, I didn't have a first degree, you see. I had, I'd gone to Teachers Training College, which is uh, a two-year course. And okay, it was it was great because we had teaching practice. That was mm. the most important part of it, basically, the teaching practice, because I learned more from the teaching practice and doing things in the classroom than I ever did from lectures. Mm. Um, um, and where am I? Um, so I needed, you know, if I if I was going to consider sort of English language teaching as a career, ELT, yep. to foreigners, then I was going to have to get some kind of qualification. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the University of Essex and did a year MA in Applied Linguistics. Mm -hmm. um, I, I got into the course, I mean, I didn't have a first degree. Um, um, but I got but you into had the course to, because you I had tremendous. No, I wrote, I wrote a yeah. book. <laughs> I wrote a book, which was never published, of course, about my grammar of the English language, which mm. had nothing to do with um, subjects and predicates or things that you find in grammar books. Yeah. And as a result of that, Peter Strevens, a very well-known linguist at the mm. time, who was in charge of the BMA course, um, he invited me onto the course. So I went back and uh, to, to the UK. And... Um, University of Essex, did the course. I met some, this was just before the advent of community language teaching, the first okay. steps towards community language teaching. But it was all, basically, it was all, all Chomsky, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, I'd written my own grammar, so I was very much against Chomsky. Chomsky. Um, but um, on the course, um, I mean, my, my, um, my course tutor was... Um, and, and the main lecturer on the course was uh, Dick Allwright, who is wow. a, a lead owner. Uh, yep. you know, young, he was young then. And then Chris Brumfitt was a colleague on the course with me. So I met some very... Um, I was on the course and discussing things with 
some people who became very influential. Absolutely. I think they're still on I think they're still on the Delta reading list now. Um you know, the pioneered. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um Chris unfortunately is no longer with us and mm. he's some wonderful work and we were always friends and we did some projects together after the after the course when I came back to came back to Italy. Because I did come back to Italy. I sort of considered at that time, mm. now shall I stay back in the UK? Or shall I return to Italy? Mm -hmm. Or shall I go somewhere else? I came back to Italy. Mm. Um, and uh, because I thought, well, I've only started there. I better show, I better show the, what my metal is. Um, <laughs> and um, do something now that I'm, now that I'm qualified because I did a, a course in applied linguistics. So <laughs> I came back, um, you know, I came back to Italy, but I went to the University of Bari um, and into the Faculty of Foreign Languages. Met some interesting people there, and as a lectore, as they were called there. Yep. And um, and um, okay, I've always tried to do things which were different from what other people would do. <laughs> it's my nature. <laughs> I've always been a bit of a rebel. You see, because mm. I mean, my upbringing was uh, a bit of a rebel. So. Um, um, I introduced um, all sorts of things uh, in language teaching, um, in language teaching at the University of Barry, and brought in people who I thought would help. So I invited Peter Strevens, he came to talk about at the University of Barry, um, mm. talk about setting up language centers. And so they took, they set up a language center. Mm -hmm. To do it, they paid me to go around the UK visiting other language centres. So I learned an enormous amount about language centres by doing that. Went back to Barry. Um, and um, then a visit from Don Byrne, who was very influential in the 1950s, 1960s in English language teaching became a great friend. He was English language officer of the British Council in Rome at the time. Mm -hmm. He came and um, he introduced me to what the Council of Europe were beginning to do, which led to the... Um, the frame, framework the, um, of reference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right, the framework of reference. Um, and while I was there, okay, I wrote my first book over to you, which Cambridge published afterwards, after I came back to Naples. The British Council then, because I did a lot of stuff in Barry, not only at the uh, university, but with the English Language Association there, mm -hmm. whatever it was called, I can't remember, um, and started teacher training. It, it happened. Quite, I don't quite know how it happened, but it happened anyway. There's a lot of drama too. Um, <laughs> And so, after three years, um, the British Council, the director of the British Council in Rome, wanted to send me to Milan to um, as director of studies in Milan. Um, I thought, well, I went up to Milan. I travelled up to Milan. I yeah. stayed there for a day. I saw the British Council in Milan. Mm -hmm. I experienced Milan for a day. I, then I travelled back overnight to, to Bali, picked up the telephone and said, could you find me a similar place in Naples? Um, oh. <laughs> and so 
I became English language officer South Italy in Naples. Um, that was in 1975. Um, a fantastic opportunity because, um, okay, there was no teacher center, so I was able to set up a teacher center. Mm -hmm. I was able to travel all around the South training teachers as English language officer. Um, and that was a fantastic experience until 1980 when um, they made me uh, regional director for the south of Italy, based in Naples. But I never stopped teacher training mm. um, and, and teaching too. Other things that I did before that, which I suppose I, I should mention, I mean, um, just before going off to do my MA, I started going into difficult scholar media, um, you know, where discipline was a problem. Mm -hmm. um, Rioni Traiano, for example. Yep. And, um, okay, I was, I did teaching in the afternoons and I did a lot of drama. I did drama with very difficult kids, Shakespeare in English. I mean, they did a production <laughs> of um, a famous last, final scene of Midsummer Night's Dream, um, which the school inspectors loved. They did it all in English, these kids. Um, it was on the it was on Italian radio, and wow. the kids were thrilled. It had to give young people this sense of achievement. Mm. And, um, and that was that. So I've gone back in time. That was a flashback. That's um, a, lo a lovely, lovely memory. Um, lovely. Um, well, um, that sort of thing influenced everything. That kind of thing sort of went on influencing other things. And I got into then um, language and literature, integra integrating language and literature teaching, and published a book with Cambridge with John McRae called Reading Between the Lines. That was in 1984. Um, we were passionate about this teaching of lit language literature. Mm. Uh, so that was another um, stimulating experience, especially working with John. Um, He's a person then, personality, isn't he, John McRae? <laughs> yeah, a real personality. And he still has it, of course, so well, even more so. Than, <laughs> yeah. um, he's a, he's a, a great teacher. Um, then, um, okay, I was director of the British Council to my until 1995. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been rector for a long time. It wasn't normal, the British Council, as you will know. No. The director no. Of a, uh, but no. people around the world started complaining. Portland's still there. No? <laughs> um, but I didn't want to go to Saudi Arabia or anything like that. Uh, that was not my Yeah, what was, what, what, so was the, what was the draw with, with Naples? What made you decide to stay in Italy? Um, there were personal reasons as mm. well as professional reasons. Mm. And the personal reasons were very strong. Yeah. Um, I had two kids who were being brought up in Italy, for example, mm. and I wanted to get back to them or at least near them, eh? which is the personal side to it. Mm. And the other thing is that well, I think I, I thought that I came back after the MA to Italy because and remained here because I I thought I'd left things undone. Mm -hmm. There were things I wanted to do and develop. 
And that's exactly what I did, opening teachers' centres and that sort of thing. The other thing I want to mention, during the both English language officer South Italy and director, um, we did the first distance training course for, uh, for Italians all over Italy. And basically, I was in charge of this, in charge of developing it and getting the other English language officers, et cetera, to write the material for it, prepare the material. And um, we trained Italian trainers. Um, we had a wonderful two weeks, weeks in Rende. In, in Calabria. In Calabria. Mm. Where, okay, I invented a way of doing this. Um, also for the content, because I, I introduced something which I called aches, not like, and not as in aches and pains, which mm. I suffer from now, um, but A-K-E-S, it's a kind of learning cycle, mm -hmm. the A being awareness, so awareness raising, aches, A, the K being knowledge, which is input after the introduction of, after the awareness is raised. Uh, the E is experience, that is getting into the classroom and doing things. And the S is skills, while you're experiencing develop your skills, which you can put in any order. It doesn't, I mean, when we were training the trainers who then trained Italian teachers mm. all over Italy, um, they followed this cycle, but beginning at different points sometimes. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they began with the awareness and sometimes with the, with the experience, et cetera, et cetera. Um, okay, there's a great deal to it, which I, can't, I won't go into now. What we did was, then was um, encouraged um, Italian public libraries and other uh, establishments um, to give space to Italian trainers mm. Um, to hold weekly training sessions with teachers from the, from the schools, yeah. School of Media and the And so all these Italian trainers uh, had their place every week with this. Of course, this was before internet, it was distance training. It was before exactly. internet. And so you had to, did you so have to post all out all the materials? And... Right, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it was a, a wonderful experience. Huh? And then the other thing, of course, was which I haven't mentioned because I begin to forget forget things all the time, <laughs> is um, the I mean, before CELTA we had um, we had uh, the RSA certificate in the teaching of English, which I introduced in Naples. They had already introduced it in Milan, but they'd given it up, saying it was too costly. So I did it in Naples. All by myself that is i didn't mm. i didn't i didn't have to pay anybody i did it all by myself as english language officer so i actually trained the teachers who were at the british council in naples um by using the rs the new rsa certificate which eventually as you know became became center mm -hmm. um that was a fantastic experience it was also coty yeah, Koti was the certificate for overseas teachers. In... Yep. Yeah. I think I. Um, Where have I got was... to in the 
Sorry. So I think I, I was probably the the last um, RSA certifla candidate before it became then moved on to become CELTA because I did my my certifla at the British Council in 1996, <laughs> the, the year after you left. Oh, I see. Yeah. It's a coincidence, isn't uh, it? The British Council in Naples? Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, there. There you go. Uh, who was running the course? Um, it was um, Frank. Yep. It was Frank. And... Um, Claire Tonks was my tutor. Ah, yes, okay. Mm. Fine. Great. Claire, and Mary, and Mary Woody Wiss, obviously. Um, bless her. Bless her. And Mary. Oh, dear Mary. Yes, yeah. dear Mary. Dear okay, Mary. Yeah. Um, anyway, we can have, we can have, sister, a, believe, yeah, huh? we can have a chat That's about that at another stuff. time. Yep. Um, so, right, you, um, you then, after the British Council, you then went, um, onto universities, I believe, and transformed. Well, not immediately. Um, mm -hmm. I actually uh, founded a school of English in Naples. Mm -hmm. um, this was actually, it was an invitation to me and a young colleague whose name is Caterina Liotto, mm -hmm. who is now pro-consul. Yep. Um, and they, a bank was sold in Naples, and with the money, they wanted to set up a British international school in Naples. Mm. They invited me to, they gave me eight months to um, find premises for it and set it up. So Catherine and I did that together, but um, in the end, we didn't find suitable premises, so mm. time had run out. So they decided to use the money to set up St. Peter's English Language Centre. Um, in Naples, in the Riviera di Gaia. Mm -hmm. And okay, I directed that for some time before, before I then, uh, before I then um, left and set up my association, which is the Associazione Bordman English. And the main project there is the online school, British English Worldwide, where I'm trying to sort of Humanize, shall we say? Let's let's just pause. Um, yeah, right. humanize. Um, yeah, let's pause for a minute, and um, and we'll be right back after the break. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out! Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading! And we're back with... The wonderful Roy Boardman. Oh. Roy, um, oh. we were talking about how um, how you have evolved as a teacher, um, and your teaching began. I mean, sort of pioneering ELT. Really, um, what are you doing now? Um, I started about nine years ago, I think it was, um, to experiment with online teaching using Skype. Um, 
I've set up an online school of English, which is ready to go rather than truly functional. <laughs> it's called British English Worldwide. It's another new, it's a new experience that I've been working on. But you started it nine, nine years ago. Um, so you're actually ahead of, yeah. um, um, because I, ahead of your time. Well, I didn't intend to be ahead of anything or anybody. <laughs> it's just that, um, uh, okay, I, I'm not a spring chicken. I'm no longer very young. So I found it, I was finding it very difficult to get around. But I definitely wanted to continue teaching. Mm. Um, I, I sort of almost can't live without it, really. Um, and um, so I thought, well, okay, I don't like the alternative of going online. And it takes the classroom and its space and um, walking around it, the kids there, et cetera, et cetera. It takes it all the way, perhaps. But I thought, well, okay, let's see. Mm. So I started with individuals and then with groups and then set up set the school up as a website. I call it a web-based school mm -hmm. because the, the the website is sort of, the school building mm -hmm. and um i have we have now five teachers waiting to teach on it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. waiting to teach because we're not um we're functional but um it, it's very new it's a good thing for a new year mm. 2023 and um it has a kind of um a virtual teacher talk room that is a staff room mm -hmm. um which is in at the moment in the form of a whatsapp group but um okay and um a teacher's, a teacher's library um but not just books i mean everything else uh, all recordings and videos and that sort of thing listed um and where to find them on the internet etc etc mm -hmm. for teachers so because of, um all teachers myself included, continued to need encouragement with new things coming in, new ideas to think about Absolutely. and share. Huh? And so the meetings take place um, not to, not only on WhatsApp, they also take place on Skype. Mm -hmm. We use Skype. You're, you're probably going to say, why Skype, etc., etc. <laughs> um, it's because I began nine years ago with Skype. Mm got very used to it's the way in which it functions etc and so you know, that's it for the moment i'm not against other yeah. i'm not against zoom or anything zoom. else yeah. but no, no, um, no. i'll have to try that mm. i know that the teachers who are waiting for work with the school um they all use other platforms to mm. zoom and meet and okay. yeah um, so it's, um, what I like to say is that it's a way of translating a physical school online, mm. knowing that there are certain things you cannot replace. You can't r really replace the actual physical presence, um, which is fundamental to any educational situation. Mm. Yeah? However, there are other advantages, um, 
like um, students not having to move around to go to the school. They might, however, enjoy that very yeah. often. I think they probably do. Um, teachers working. And then, of course, the classroom becomes uh, a multiple classroom because uh, students are in their own homes. Mm. So the classroom becomes a series of homes, including <laughs> the teacher's home, and we share all these and we can talk about them. It mm. puts students in a personal background, each one of them. Yeah. So, so that is something you can do. Um, and now I'm very enthusiastic about it. Um, it. It's ready to go. And if there are teachers who would like to know more about it, just let me know. They can contact me on my professional email, which is elt. In the Absolutely. ELT at all dot IT. Wonderful. ELT at it. That's it. Yep. Um, and, um, you know, since you know about it, since you share ideas, um, it sounds, sharing one, ideas sounds wonderful. Yeah. So much. It's so very important. Mm. You, I mean, in in your time, you've done um, an awful lot to support teachers. Um, I've got a little message here from one of your, one of the teachers you have supported um, over time. Number <laughs> sec. Oops. Hi, Roy. This is Fergal. I am so happy to have you both as a friend and a mentor. I remember discussing Tune Into English with you before it ever started, and your enthusiasm helped turn the spark into a flame. The worksheets that you have contributed to the site are amongst the teacher's favourites. As I've said many times, you are an ELT guru. I look forward to catching up with you and Rena very soon. Happy New Year! Fergal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear me! Another um, person who has inspired me. Mm. He, he considers you that his his guru, um, which I think is really lovely. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, moving on from that, um, can you tell me about the people who inspire and influence you? The people who inspire and influence me now are. Uh, very much those who did it in the past and continues to do so, of course. Yeah? Mm. They're different um, in different ways, of course. Um, who inspires me now? I have to remember names. Well, um, Scott Thornbury's work. Mm. Um, his work on dogma. Yep. Um, and um, materials light teaching and getting rid of the course book uh, i'm all for that mm. um and um i experiment i well i use it a lot in fact in fact for many many years and many teachers know that for many many years i taught something called free speech the course which which started god knows when a very long time ago in the past and which I still do with different groups of people. Mm. Um, and free speech is exactly what it seems to be. You can say what you like, when you like, but okay, I have a way of, um, of course, uh, eliciting um, things that um, I want to be said and in, in what way. 
Um, so Scott Formberg's work on dogma, an unfortunate name, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm very interested in the idea of uh, emergent language, uh, language and working on the language which comes from the student, which emerges during the lesson you work on. Yeah. What I do not uh, agree with is actually not using materials. I think that now with internet, of course, you can you can you can get the materials you want in a second. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Somebody said that. Three people have said that, and they said it very well. We'll work on that in this lesson immediately. You know. And okay, but I need a picture. I need I need a picture to do this. So mm. here it is. Yeah. Google Pictures and other things. Yeah. And um, whether you're in a classroom or online, mm. uh, you can do that. And so I I, I love the idea of, of, of working with emergent language students. If uh, students, I I've written course books myself, but um, and I know that they are so very important in many different ways. I do think though that. Um, there are many times when one should walk into classrooms and say, let it happen. Yeah. And there, I mean, there are a lot of arguments for, you know, uh, is this material really? It's a whole, what, it's a whole and it's, it's that's it's a, whole a whole new, whole new radio yeah. show for us, Roy. Um, and you're right. There's actually a form, a, a movement. Um, Fergal is an example of that um, for creating materials specifically for, for example, Italian learners and, um, making it age appropriate yeah. um it's really really important yeah right can you share yeah. with our listeners um a personal or life goal <laughs> <laughs> i know you, I mean, you've already achieved it so much <laughs> no, it doesn't have it doesn't have to do with teaching then hmm. could be it's yeah. a life goal Okay, um, I would like to complete, I've written and pub, self-published one novel, okay, mm -hmm. which is autobiographical. Ah, that novel, by the way, is ah. a lot about my experience as a learner in the secondary school when I was young. Is that honky, based on that? That's Honky yeah. Tonk, yeah? That's Honky Tonk, yeah. Mm. Okay, self-published. Um, I'm writing another novel. Um, it takes me a very long time uh, mm. to do creative writing. Um, and, okay, so I want to complete a novel which is about cultural, the art of the cultural artifact artifacts of a people being stolen from them. Mm. Not money being stolen, mm -hmm. not anything of material worth, except for the fact that the things which are material represent um, an aspect of the culture of a people. Mm -hmm. That disappears, it gets stolen in a certain way. And then, the, okay, the novel is about how it all comes back and what happens to the people without Sounds their local culture mm. and without. Um, Okay, some high-level culture as well. That's because 
in fact the the paintings disappear the, um, mm. the, the sculpture disappears and all sorts of things which their their, their craft work disappears what happens to people okay there's a kind of death mm. in that um, fascinating so my life goal basically is to finish that i probably mm. never will but there we are i hope i do hope i like do. writing it yeah um when we were talking about your journey um you obviously you've received many prizes for your work uh, over your career um one of them is an mbe um which yeah, you can call it a prize yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um tell me about the others so I think, yeah. Um, well, I did a lot of teacher training work in Calabria mm -hmm. um, when I was English language officer for the British Council and mm -hmm. afterwards um, as director. Um, and, um, okay, Calabria is what is the largest region in Italy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of work to do there, a lot of teachers. And um, this was recognized and I was given the Premier Calabria for that. Um, then in Naples, there was a cultural international um, prize called the Sebetia Terra, based on the idea that Sebet, Sebetio, um, Patanate, etc., etc. Um, and okay, the Premio Internazionale Sebetia Terra in 1980 something, I can't remember when. Um, and then in recent years, um, or just before the pandemic, um, the Premio Internazionale Panzago, um, Panzago, the 17th century architect, Neapolitan architect, mm -hmm. for uh, my work in Naples for um, sort of basically op opening the horizons in Naples, because when I was director of the British Council, you probably know, mm. I brought into Naples uh, the major writers of the time, some mm -hmm. artists as well. Huh? Um, and that was, that was quite a battle because um, Naples was not like British Council in Rome and it was not like the British Council in Milan. They had all these people coming in. And so I made a big complaint. What about Naples? Mm. And so um, one of the things I got them down to come down to Naples, not just to talk at the British Council, but also into the universities, you know, where mm. they could. So PD James, for example, talking about her latest novel to students at the Orientale who are actually studying it that yeah. year. Mm. Uh, and and um, okay, for that kind of relationship with Naples, uh, they gave me this this prize, which I'm very happy to have. Um, um, yeah. Don't, don't think I don't think I've got any other prizes. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I do have another message for you, um, which yeah. you'll need to listen to um, when we play it back, um, yeah. because it doesn't seem to be working. But um, I hope you enjoy it. It's from Chiro Chiro. Marola. Oh, <laughs> and for, for our listeners, uh, for our listeners, um, it's in Italian, um, but you know, Teachers Talk Radio, um, we we cover the whole world, and I'm sure that 
a, a few seconds of Italian won't um, won't hurt. Ricordo Roy Boardman con molto piacere. Infatti di lui ho sempre un bel ricordo. Eh, era molto attento ai problemi del suo personale del British Council di Napoli, di cui io ne facevo parte. Durante la sua direzione, il British Council di Napoli ha sempre avuto grande, grande successo, sia per la diffusione della cultura britannica a Napoli. Infatti Roy ha sempre organizzato ed è stato promotore di conferenze e convegni di importanti personaggi britannici. E sempre con lui il British Council di Napoli ha avuto grande successo per l'insegnamento della lingua inglese. Lui stesso è stato ed è un bravo insegnante. Ricordo anche quanto ci sono stati dei problemi al British Council di Napoli, però Roy eh, insieme al personale alla fine li ha sempre superati. Ciao Roy, un abbraccio da Ciro. Thank you, Ciro. That was lovely. Um, Roy, can you tell us a fun fact about you that people don't know? Oh, yeah. Um, let me see. Okay. Um, sometime in the 1980s, late 1980s, Sometimes in my career, I've been asked to work as an interpreter, ah. not professionally, but, you know, could you, mm. could you, just interpret? and I'm hopeless. At this <laughs> Me too. I think people think that because I'm English, uh, and because I'm English and because I teach English, and so, 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 I'm a, a hopeless interpreter. I get, I get everything modeled up. Yeah. Um, anyway. It's usually because um, they talk for too long and you, you've forgotten yeah, what they've well, said. <laughs> I, as you know, I, I, I took the British Council from the Riviera de Chiaia uh, after the damage done to the building by mm. the 1980s earthquake to, to Via di Mille, mm -hmm. the Palazzo Davlos, mm. um, where you possibly did your... That's where training. I did my Celtic, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, and, okay, that, that was a big move. Um After we moved in, um, Princess Margaret was invited to Naples. Um, she stayed with Prince Davalos, that is, in the building where the British Council was. Wow. Um, and, um, okay, I knew the prince. Uh, we, we had a, a good relationship. And um, he invited me to lunch with Princess Margaret in the garden, his garden at the back of Palazzo uh, mm. Davalos. Imagine while well, we were having lunch in the garden, all the staff of the British Council were hanging out of the windows trying to see. And so there I was at this round table, sitting next to Princess Margaret, next to her, Lindsay, her son. Um, Prince Davalos immediately opposite me, and all the rest of the space filled with duchesses. They all seemed to be duchesses. Um, and Okay, I, I think that I was probably invited to this lunch simply because Prince Davalos wanted me to interpret. Mm. Um, well, uh, <laughs> that's why I was sitting next to Princess Margaret. Um, so at a certain point, between courses, the plates were empty. 
we were waiting for the next course. Very embarrassing moment because uh, when you're with royalty, you can't actually begin the conversation. No, you can't. You're not allowed. I was told that I couldn't do it, but I did actually. <laughs> um, then Vince Davlos started making gestures to me, indicating the bottoms of the plates. Now, I realized that the, um, the tableware, the, the plates were Bourbon originals. And he was pointing to under a plate. And I, I said, ah, he wants me to show her the Bourbon crest. Now, this is very, what, what do you do? I mean, how do you, <laughs> sitting, <laughs> sitting with Princess Margaret, how do you actually lift up your plate and, and show her the Bourbon crest? Uh, crest. Um, but this is what I actually did. I actually stood up. I thought, well, I'll, I'll go for it. So I stood up, picked up my plate, turned it over. And as I stood up and turned over the plate, all the duchesses all stood up with the plates in their hands and <laughs> turned over to look at the Bourbon crest. Okay. <laughs> and that's what I said. Prince Davos, Tim Stavlos would like me to show you that these are Bourbon originals. Wow. After which we all sat down. Okay. Wonderful. Like... <laughs> um, what a wonderful, wonderful story, Roy. Thank you for that. Um, do you have a favorite film? I love the cinema. Um, I have lots of favourite films. I think if you, I mean, why a film is a favourite depends on so many different things. Huh? It doesn't mm. depend only on the film. It also depends on the circumstances mm. in which you saw it, like reading a book, you know, the circumstances <laughs> in which you read a book. You read a book. So the one that comes to mind is uh, a 1952 film, Charlie Chaplin, Limelight, with Claire Broom as well. Um, it was a very special time of my life. Um, I was 15, um, one year before leaving school, um, and I'll never, and I'd seen Claire Bloom in her performance as Juliet at the Old Vic, and so I was very much attracted to going to the cinema and mm. seeing this film, thinking, ah, I've seen her on stage, and this is Charlie Chaplin too, and of course it's a very, um, oh, I found it a very moving film. Mm. Um, a film which is very simple, mm. um, but which is all about enjoying life as the moment in which you experience it. Um, and not paying too much attention to what happened in the past and what's going to happen afterwards, but sort of reacting. That's, that's why I like the emerging mm. language in the classroom. Yeah. I've got one last message um for you from laurie cohen um who oh laurie <laughs> who sends regards we'll just take a minute to listen to it having worked worked with roy on several occasions i can say that he is the epitome of english teaching good english teaching not only is he a fine teacher an excellent employer but he is a person full of ideas, always looking to try something new and innovative. It was a pleasure to work with him. Apart from that, he's an absolutely lovely human being. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. All right. Um, I think we could probably talk for another hour. Um, I would love <laughs> that to. Would, that would be lovely. But, I, would, um... Um, I would love to continue the conversation. Um, come back. Come and join the radio show again. Um, Ooh, and tell us about wonderful. your next time your... i'll be more relaxed and i go back and say what i've said in a different <laughs> way or i'll even change the facts <laughs> i don't think i don't think you should i don't think you should um it it is um it's wonderful to to talk with you um and uh, you know i think i don't think you realize how many people um you have influenced influenced their teaching um, and and help their oh. careers, and there are, are thousands of them that uh, have benefited from it. I and I think the the I one the sort of find it very moving to hear that. I think the core the core um, drive um, behind you and the way you teach is that you put the learner at the centre of of learning, and um, it's just well, it's so inspirational what Roy. exactly yeah but some some teachers don't quite get that <laughs> i mean i mean the, the structure with mm. the verb teach no mm. it has two kinds of direct objects mm. you teach a subject teach english or you teach learners so you, you teach mm. students no? that's the huge difference. the one i prefer is teaching the learners okay absolutely thank you roy um thank you so much thank you Jane. so much for talking with so me. much enjoyed going back over my career and remembering things uh, which i i'd forgotten basically and there are stories that need to be told <laughs> and i'm so grateful to all the people um i've always been i've been in contact with during my career um teachers learners and might I say, um, the non-teaching staff of the British Council. Yeah. Thank you, Roy. They were themselves a great in inspiration. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Thank you, Roy. Great. And I will Thank see you, you soon. <laughs> happy New uh, Year. I'm so happy with this. Thank you. <laughs> happy New Year uh, to everybody. <laughs> if it's still being recorded. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.